0: I actually, I really wish that when I was in film school someone had told me this, is to learn a craft outside of directing. Cause directing sort of borrows from everything else in life and you know, acting and managing people. And I really felt like I could have benefited from taking a cinematography route and learning more about working with lights and shaping them. Welcome back
1: to Nothing Shines Like Dirt, Empowering Actors to Create, Episode 18. I'm Leslie Shannon and I'm Elise Sievert. Today we're talking to sci fi director and filmmaker Sydney Hugh. We talk about why you should know Octavia Butler, the human side of sci fi, and the m- ingredients, ingredients for movie making are money and people.
0: <laughs> when it's basically like great spirits, just what I saw on TV. Like mm-hmm. that's what I was consuming. And I remember going to an audition just because my parents were going to humor me. And my mom actually, said something of like, wouldn't it be great if you were behind the camera and you could have more control over you know, what was happening. And I hadn't even thought of it that way. It was just like my 12 year old mind was like blown away. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. You can do, do that. What a great thing for a mother yeah. to say. It was, um, I really yeah. feel like from there, I started actually thinking about it. And when I was in high school and I was still pursuing studio arts and then also thinking about what I could do long-term as a career, I um, signed up for classes at School of Visual Arts in the City, intro to uh, 16 millimeter filmmaking and directing workshop, and that was my first taste, and it was incredible. We shot on black and white reversal film, and we cut uh-huh. it on a steam back. It was, like, very wow. old school. Um, And it was so much fun. You know, we shot like illegally in the subways and I made a terrible (laughs) film, but, you know, I was really proud of it. And from there, it was just like I was hooked. Um, So then from sophomore year of my high school, that was when I really decided like, okay, I'm going to be a filmmaker and sort of just like watched more movies and dived more into it, like joined after school clubs where we made videos. And then obviously went to school at NYU for film and yeah. awesome
1: awesome yeah what an insightful
0: thing that your mother said yes for sure she's a very (laughs) insightful woman (laughs) how lucky for you what does she do like she's um she's a pharmacist or a pharmaceutical doctor she does have her doctorate but um she always told me that like if she could have pursued her passions she would have been a writer so she definitely has a lot of creative inklings but she like many people of her generation went a very practical route of you know you know getting a degree in something that will give you you know stability yeah stability and money, money. exactly <laughs> a good living
2: <laughs> Exactly, oh, that's awesome but she actually
0: has many degrees since she was in china when she got her um undergrad and master's in chemical engineering and she ran a power plant for a while what? and then when she came over she had to start all over again because none of her degrees are valid here then she got another undergrad and another master's. And then she got her doctorate. So, yeah, she's been through a lot of schooling. <laughs> so with she's the a career. world
2: being, like, so global now, you would think they would figure out this degree thing. Because it happens with our yeah. military, too. They, people get out of the military, and they aren't qualified to do jobs that they were doing in the military. I know. It's crazy. And, it's, I'm like, it's absolutely insane. Like, there has to be a better way.
0: Yeah, for for these credits, these <laughs> for, like, amorphous yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. things to transfer for to sure. transfer and
2: experience yeah. doing the job too, which is pretty valid. So.
0: And how about your dad? What does your dad do? Um, he's actually also in the same field, but he um, he engineers drugs, so oh, like, so he's on the research side of things exactly, and he um, does experiments <laughs> 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 and uh, yeah, creates drugs. So he's always been working for pharmaceutical companies that do that. Do you
1: think that influenced you at all as to why you're so interested in sci-fi and especially like the more
0: practical sci-fi? I mean, I definitely was always growing up with like an instilled love and appreciation for science. Um, and yeah, I, I guess I definitely would have had to come from my parents. It was also very innate though. I feel like I just um, I just clicked with science. I, I understood and wanted to know more and um but never got into math like like i hated math (laughs) what's your favorite sci-fi movie um that would have to be 2001 a space odyssey okay and then close seconds are blade runner and gattaca nice yeah those are good ones they're They're all they're all space related yeah i really like the sci-fi movies that have what i call a biopunk aspect to it which is um like Things like Orphan Black or Gattaca that explore like the bioethical nature of science, Mm. especially since we're entering a new unprecedented. Well, they always say that, but, you know, (laughs) we're, we're entering a new era where people can experiment and splice and create and experiment with the genome in a way that we haven't been able to before with CRISPR and all that. So they're saying, like, you know, the next tech revolution is not going to be VR. Well, they do. They also say it's going to be VR. But they're they're saying it's going to be in terms of engineering our genome or, you know, playing with life or gene therapy, um, creating orgs that are essentially like organic apps. And then, um, yeah. That's going to so be fascinating. scares me. Mm-hmm. Does it scare you? It Why? It scares me. I think of,
2: you guys remember Dolly the Lamb? Was that the, yeah. lamb, the, clo- mm-hmm. the first clone, clone lamb? Yeah. I think it's from that. I think it's from being a child and growing up in Catholic school where they were like, <laughs> do not play with life
1: kind of thing. <laughs>
2: yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's it's scary because you you don't really, we don't really know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that it, I mean, it could potentially help cure... Cancer or help all these things, but it's also the unknown of it. I think scares me a little
0: bit. Yeah, I love that space. That's the mm-hmm. space that I want to explore because we are going to come up against all these unknowns mm-hmm. and also the ethics of it. Like, should we? We can, but should we? And then what happens if we do? Um, I'm really excited by it, and I actually love clones. So <laughs> <all this laughs> reaction. She's like, "Yay, clones!
1: Clones! clones yeah, clone
0: clones. stories are just like yeah." A
1: job with them. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, but that's that's really interesting. The different the different takes on it too. And I wonder how much of this is something that we constantly talk about. And it's I I also find it interesting that the reason you like it is because you like that like kind of moral like dilemma of trying to understand. Well, do we really know what we're doing? What mm-hmm. is the consequences of our actions and all of that? Because I think that is something that it is explored in sci-fi, but. Not as much.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I It could be so
1: much more. Like, For I'm sure. Like, definitely. I mean, just
2: sitting here, I'm thinking of like 10 different stories of films that could, ha- you know, like exactly. about this to,
0: to bring up this discussion. It's really interesting. We're definitely seeing more of it now that there are yes. more science fiction films that are coming out that, you know, explore <laughs> human existence and society a bit deeper than you normally have. I feel like we got over this phase of like, big huge Hollywood blockbusters that's all about action and special effects and now we're kind of getting smaller and smaller and diving into the psyche and into the ethics which I'm really excited for like I'm so excited for Arrival that's going to be fantastic what is what tell us what is this um Arrival is a feature film um starring Amy Adams okay about a linguist who is hired i guess or <laughs> um to make contact with aliens when they come so it's, so, i think from what i can tell from the trailers it's a more human story and about making like how do you speak with a creature that you've never talked to before and how do you make a connection with someone who has completely foreign world views than you right like what common ground do you have
2: or even to understand
1: their views like- Yeah. So to grasp it, because yeah. I feel like people have enough trouble doing that now with different cultures, with, <laughs> with Yeah, with when they actually have a little bit more of a viewpoint into what their life is like, I feel like people have enough tro- trouble with it as it is. But that's really interesting. I like the human aspect of For sure of sci-fi. I've always loved sci-fi.
0: There's a lot of people who do.
1: Yeah, but like. I ne- I never like played like Dungeons and Dragons or something in my basement. Like I I didn't, I didn't have like that. Like, cause I mean, that's what, cause I feel like there's so much of the, that stigma yeah, on like people sure. who love sci-fi are automatically these like nerds. super sci-fi nerds and not that there's anything wrong with playing Dungeons and Dragons. Plenty of my friends do that. Um, <laughs> but that wasn't something that I experienced growing up, but it, it is funny how there's such a stigma on, you're a sci-fi geek. Which, you know,
0: I don't know why, because most of my sci fi loving friends are like, you know, they're out in the sunlight outdoors all the time. (laughs) They're out (laughs) in the sunlight. Like beautiful women like you, like they're just, you know, they're just normal people, but they don't declare it as much because there is this like stigma that like, oh, you like sci fi? You must be a nerd. Um, it's like, no, there are so, there are so many facets of sci-fi too. Such a huge genre encompassing so many different things that right. I feel like you can't just categorize them as one type.
1: No, you can't. Yeah. Cause there is sci-fi and then there's like sci-fi fantasy.
0: For sure. And there's,
1: yeah, there's so many layers. Mm-hmm. So many layers. Where did you grow up?
0: Um, many places. <laughs> <laughs> what many places did you um, grow up? Um, started in China. Then New Jersey, then back in China, then Pennsylvania near Philly, and okay. then Boston, or outside of Boston, and then back to New York, where I've been the longest. Wow. Yeah. That is quite a... Um
1: Across the world. Yeah, no joke. Around the world and back.
0: Yeah, I feel like when I was little, I really hated moving a lot because I hated, you know, obviously just like forging new friendships all the time and losing your friendships. But I think it made me a better person because I am... Very good at like initiating that conversation with strangers, just because I've had to do it so many times, and also kind of keeping in touch with my old friends. I had a lot of pen pals. We this was like before, you know, social media and (laughs) Facebook and all that stuff. So you know, you really had to write letters or you know send emails or IMs or just talk for hours on the phone. Like I'm still of that generation, so yeah yeah
2: that's really cool. Do you keep up with the Chinese film industry at all Because they've been in the i mean they've been in the news recently just um talking about how they're you know they're kind of leaving Hollywood behind and creating their own kind of
0: Hollywood as well oh I believe it they're massive yeah yeah much yeah. worse. <laughs> purchasing power. Yes. Um, I don't as much as I should, but it's. I definitely am starting to get more and more into it mm-hmm. for sure. But um, with the Chinese industry, it, it can be tricky because they do censor a lot of things mm. so um, I would always love to do a sci-fi film in China because I think that would be an amazing setting for a lot of great stories, mm-hmm. but I don't necessarily know if um, it would be like plausible with their censors. There was um, also
2: an article, I think, in Variety about Hollywood censoring their movies so that they could Mm -hmm. be distributed in China. Yeah. So how, like, we're getting the same movies because, yeah, which I think is really interesting, like, how their laws are even affecting... Hollywood yeah for sure they have a lot of
0: power (laughs) and a lot of money money yeah Yeah. money money Mm -hmm. is the culprit of all that and a huge audience Mm -hmm.
1: oh yes they have that also (laughs) 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 very smart (laughs) um what was I gonna say so growing coming back and forth between China and the U.S. what was that like As a kid, like culturally, is it quite different or is there a lot of similarities?
0: Um, Um, I think a little bit of both is definitely every time I went back, I went back about every like 10 years or so. So not that often, but I could see the country just exponentially grow before my eyes. You know, like just to give you an example, my grandma's home. When I was little, when I visited, it was in the countryside. There were like, you know, fields across the street. It was, you know, farmland as far as the eye could see. 10 years later, it was completely different. It was a built up like town, like thriving town when it was all row houses and there was just all paved. There were no more farmlands. And um, I haven't been back to that same area the last time I went, but then I went to Senzin, which is a city outside of Hong Kong. And that place I know used to be a village 35 years ago of about 70,000 people. Now it is a metropolis of like a couple million in 35 years. So life is growing and changing really, really quickly for the people who live there. And I feel like I just get a little bit, a little taste of that. But I did find that when I went back this passed i think it was two years ago or a year and a half ago and i was more able to kind of have more you know, like philosophical discussions with people as opposed to 10 years ago uh, when I was still a teenage brat. Um, <laughs> and I was interviewing, you know, my cousin and my friend's cousin, not interviewing, we were just talking. But, um, I love how you said interview though. That makes me <laughs> really happy. <laughs> I mean, I was definitely very interested. I, I wanted to know because I felt like, you know, so often we see in the media about how like China is going to outpace us, China is doing this, China is doing that. And there's no like human aspect to it I wanted to know like how does it affect a person on a human level and they are pretty much just like us you know they have the same aspirations the same dreams the same hopes and fears um you know the town that we were in was a bit rural and it was polluted like so polluted, the rivers were black. Um, The main economy of the town, people were sorting plastics and e-waste. Basically they ship like giant barrels of like keyboards or whatever else, like plastic we throw out overseas. And that's what people in this town did. And you saw as you went out in the streets, just like littered all these different color pellets and like plastics of all sorts. And people are just sorting them. And so this whole town is just filled with trash essentially. And, and I asked them about the environmental aspects, like, you know, do you guys wish you could do something about this? Like, how do you feel about it? And they felt exactly like we do, that they really wish that it wasn't this way, but they really feel powerless to do or change it at this point. And a lot of them want to move to cities where they have more freedom. And it's definitely very traditional in the rural areas. Like, you know, girls get married at a very young age, have a family, and that's it, that That's their life, whereas, like, a lot of them want to break out of that and go into the city and, like, have a career. So it's starting to change, um, and I'm very excited for the possibilities for them. That's awesome. But this sounds just like – it sounds exactly like here. Yeah, exactly. I'm
1: from the South. Elisa's from the Midwest. Like, there's still a ton of people who I know who – That's what
2: we did. We moved to the big city. Yeah, it is. It's exactly
1: what we did so that we could have different opportunities and not that what the people – where we're from a lot of them chose to stay and everything not that there's anything wrong with no. that but that wasn't our choice right and there's a lot of that happening people get married really young people have children and you know that's their that's what their existence is which is what they want which is great but if when you don't it's nice to know you have an option to do that so it's it's, it's really interesting to hear all of those things because you're right No one focuses on the human aspect of things because it's a lot easier to distance ourselves and not care about what other people and find that common ground when you don't, when you don't actually look for it. Yeah, for
0: sure. It's it's so much easier to do that. So what are you working on?
2: What do you Um, have going on right
0: now? I'm working on a few things. Um... I'm not sure I'm allowed to announce this. When is this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, this one's going to come out Monday. Next, yeah, it's going to
1: come out Monday, Monday. So don't so don't give us any information that you are not allowed well, to give. we but. can announce it.
2: On our social media, if you can't yeah. announce it now.
1: Yeah, um, you can send it to us. She's alluding to it now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm participating in an upcoming film competition where I'm going to be paired up with a scientist and we're going to make a f- short film within a week. So I'm very, very excited about that because, um, you know, I love science, but I don't really feel like I get to work with, you know, scientists a lot. So I'm very excited. That <laughs> that is that's amazing. Really exciting. Pick their brains. So, yeah. Do you
2: know, like, a scientist in any kind of field or do you know the Mm -hmm. field
0: yeah we don't know the scientists yet and we're going to be paired at random at the opening ceremony of this film festival i feel like i've given enough clues but i haven't said said it. that's right so you're good so perfect so be prepared to hear
1: more about this on our social media in the coming months
0: yeah that's Um, pretty incredible it's
1: amazing awesome and then i saw that so what are some of your other projects that
0: you've you've done previously um, so I actually have another project coming up as oh, well. See, I knew that. I knew she, she always has multiple things <laughs> going on, which is the only way to survive as yeah. an artist. <laughs> it also just keeps things interesting. Um, I have an anthology called sci Five, and it's five sci-fi directors, myself included, and we're all going to direct and produce a short film and release them together as, you know, those, like, um, like magazines or anthologies or just like even short story collections from like the golden age of sci-fi during the 70s and they would just come out these like pulpy stories and it's sort of like that but like a video version we're just gonna have each of us have very distinct visions and style so we're gonna just put them out there for everyone to enjoy that's how would you define your style as a Mm -hmm. sci-fi director um definitely always got like a biopunk aspect to it it has to do with um like people um i sometimes i call it lo-fi sci-fi just because i don't have the budget yet to shoot everything out in space you have to get i (laughs) mean you really have to get creative exactly so um it's all about um setting sort of the world for like a sci-fi story to happen Uh, for instance for sci-fi i'm going to be doing a short about designer babies And so that one is more, you know, it's very much a domestic drama in a way, but it has this like future forward thinking element to it. That where people design,
2: like, designer explain that designer babies oh yes yeah, yeah
0: yeah <laughs> uh so i know um, what you're talking about but yeah explain it. yeah basically i mean with the technology that we have now we could potentially change the genes of our offspring when we reproduce so that we eliminate certain genetic diseases uh you know propensities for other things i mean you can really get really out there if if gene therapy excels um at the rate that it's doing um yeah it, the future will be very interesting you make if you don't regulate that i know. mean
2: even looks and
1: like oh my for God. sure yeah which that's where it gets kind of that's where it gets pretty hairy
2: Mm-hmm. Is but it almost I mean if that let's just say it happened and people like design their babies and everyone designs them to be like beautiful or whatever I wonder if that would change beauty standards because that because I feel like sometimes when things are different that's very attractive and mm-hmm. I wonder I don't know it's very interesting
1: it is interesting to think it's about interesting I process. love to see that world yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> see, I mean that they- terrifies me
1: <laughs> But no, but, but but someone being interesting looking. Well, I feel like that happens to an extent um, now, just not to the extent that we wish. <laughs> when someone's different or interesting looking, people are intrigued by them and want to look them. For I sure. feel like actors, that happens a lot because there's a lot mm-hmm. of um, even famous, like pretty famous actors who, if you saw them in real life they you would be like oh like that's interesting but on film there's something about them that is just intriguing and breathtaking they just they suck you in when they're on when they're on the other side of the lens and so I mean I I feel like it happens some just you know as We have got, like, so many... There's a, apparently a construction site across the street today. Because yes. <laughs> there's, like, every truck known to Can't Jersey City right. is, is hanging always, out. Always, whenever you're recording.
0: Oh, so, so do
2: you have a cinematographer you like to partner with? Or do you kind of work with a bunch of different... as For all the projects you're directing, do you kind of work with...
0: I work with a lot of different uh, DPs and yeah. cinematographers. Mainly because they're always super busy. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. their schedules do not always align with mine, so... But yeah, I do have, you know, a certain roster of people I like to work with if they're available. But I also like working with new people, too. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you prefer to go off of recommendations from other people? Um, Generally,
0: yeah, just because that's how this industry works. And it's all about the people. But um, sometimes, um, like I'm meeting with a DP that just emailed me out of the blue a few weeks ago. And I'm going to meet him next week for coffee. And I felt like, you know, it was a very sort of brave act to just kind of email me and send me his stuff and want to connect and so I'm I'm intrigued by that so I want to meet him and yeah sit down and see what he's about what do you look for like are, are there things you look for in
2: their footage or things you look for when talking to them like what do you
0: It's definitely a lot about the personality. For me, the DP is you know I have to collaborate with him or her so much that we really need to be friends almost, or at least partners in crime. And if you know someone's attitude or just personality isn't right fit for me, um, that's probably the first thing I look for. And then of course, always about the visuals and their style. Like what do what do they bring to the table in terms of what they see Mm -hmm. aesthetically? Because there are a lot of times on set where I feel like I'm focusing on. Many other things, and I really need the DB to be able to do their job and keep that visual, the visuals on point. Mm-hmm. And so, I always have to select someone who's capable of doing that.
2: Yeah. Who are some of your favorite? Um, I don't know, do you have favorite cinematographers out there? Like,
0: like dream in person to work with? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like a little on the spot here. <laughs> oh, I don't no, I don't want to want to name anybody because okay. if I miss somebody, then you know. Well, what just I mean. one of your one of one your one of your favorites. So <laughs> then it's favorites. not all
1: of them, but it's just I someone who you really
0: for, enjoy. I
2: think again, I think people forget to research and look at who whose work it is you know, behind the camera sometimes. So I think it's really important to know. So
0: people know who to who to watch. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, well, one person that I really like working with is Tim Wu of Ilium Pictures. He actually shot the music video we're going to debut next week. Oh, and nice. he is fantastic because he is always on point. I know that I can leave set even mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. he'll get what I need. So it's mm-hmm. great working with him. And he never complains. We were shooting this music video over... One of the hottest weekends. I remember that weekend. This summer, and he was in a steady cam. Uh, Rig the whole time, so not only oh did God. he have you know h- like hundreds of pounds of equipment on him that he had to carry, he was also wearing a vest to pad the cam. Um So he was extra hot compared to all of us, and I didn't hear a single complaint. And he just got amazing footage. We're so I mean we got more than we could probably make ten music videos. We're not going to. <laughs> <but> <laughs> you have so much but
1: footage. Yeah. What about
2: fantastic? big budget DPs or cinematographers, like people you haven't worked with that you would like to work with? that like i would like style. to work with?
0: yeah yeah mm-hmm. let me think about this one <laughs> yeah i feel like
1: i feel like there's there's a lot of
0: them because
2: <laughs> when i watch films light is always really important to me yes, um and i feel sure. like that you can tell a lot by a person's style with how they use or don't use light and i didn't know if there's anyone you can think of
0: yes i would say read morano because she's incredible I'm obsessed with her. Yeah, I love <laughs> her. I love her. Be she's from Nebraska with her. too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she's what? She's from Nebraska oh, too. See, you just yeah. should. You should do yeah. like the the DP that emailed her. Just email her. Yeah, yeah I know. I just think get I her email and I just be like, I "Hey,
2: I have sent her a letter before." She is yes. directing mm-hmm. now, though. She is. She's, I saw Meadowland, mm-hmm. and I was so impressed with the directing and the cinematography that I. I did a little fan letter to her. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh yeah, I remember. I remember that now.
0: DP director combos are deadly. Oh, they're amazing. <laughs> it's amazing, and especially that
2: she's a woman doing it too. Like yeah. again, that coming up as a director that way, I think is even even more challenging than it already there's. It's already a challenge to be a woman director, but um, again, because you're
0: working with a boys' club. Yeah. You know? I actually I really wish that when I was in film school, someone had told me this is to learn a craft outside of directing, because directing sort of borrows from everything else in life and, you know, acting and managing people. And I really felt like I could have benefited from taking a cinematography route and learning more about working with lights and shaping them Um, and, you know, going that route and then exploring a bit more in terms of all the other fields as well.
2: I mean, everything it, I think anything I've done behind the camera has helped me as an actor in front of the camera, mm-hmm. and vice versa. for um, sure being an actor and having that experience too has helped me direct and write better stories and that kind of thing as
1: well. They just all really go hand in hand, cause yeah, it's, it's all storytelling. they feed one another mm-hmm. for sure so as far as your behind the camera um experience what what different roles? What different hats have you worn behind the camera?
0: Um, I've been a production designer on okay. many short films. Actually, there's a short film that just came out recently called Killer. It won lots of awards, was directed by my friend, Matt Kasman and it's online. You can view it on Vimeo and it's you know gotten great reviews. So I production designed that, um, done a lot of art direction, mainly because I wanted to build spaceships. <laughs> <laughs> so I signed up for all the spaceship or sci-fi looking <laughs> films that happened while I was in school. Um, what else have I done? Well, I do a lot of post-production on my own, so I edit. I knew that. I was going to say, I was like, I remember you doing post stuff. Yeah, and, and I can shoot, but I prefer really to work with a DP. It yeah. just, uh, it's hard doing it all, you know? Um, and I love, you know, the basics of sound, but I would always hire a professional. <laughs>
2: oh gosh, sound is so important. Yeah, because yeah, sure. if your
0: sound is screwed, your film is screwed. Like, exactly. there's really not a lot of things you can fix. Yeah, hmm <laughs> And then um, I've also produced and been a production manager and coordinator and AD and, you know, that whole side of things as well.
1: Right. That's why I was like, you're like, oh, what have I done? I'm like, um, I, we've had this conversation before. I'm waiting for you to remember all the things that I know that you do.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's like that for everyone, though. They all have to wear many hats, yeah. right, to make a small budget film. So. Yeah. Yes, you do.
2: Do cool. you like editing your own stuff or do you like working with an editor?
0: Um, I think I like... There are advantages and disadvantages mm-hmm. to both. Um, it depends on the project. Um, I've certainly had a great experience working with other editors. They saw things that I could not have seen and that was really enlightening for me. But at the same time, I also really like working with my own, own footage because I know it inside out and I know what I'm going for. So it really depends. Cool. And you know what vision you want. Exactly.
2: When you are about to start a project like do you have a process that you go through like anything like do you do certain things each time like brainstorming or putting together a lookbook or that kind of thing or mm-hmm. do you kind of just like whatever pieces fall in place i don't know if you have a process
0: um <laughs> mm-hmm. well my process has been that usually an idea will get stuck in my head and I will keep thinking and thinking about it and just sort of looking at it from all different types of angles to see like am I still interested after a week am I still interested after a month and if I am I start to uh, you know write it down and put it down into a script and then then it's about the money And that might take a a really, really long time. But in terms of process, I do always make a lookbook. I find that it's incredibly helpful. It's a lot of fun, too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. the visual side that I feel like kind of you get to do before you do all the producing and administrative stuff. Um, And then, of course, you start to bring on people because people is what make films. And uh, money, money as well, (laughs) very important. Um, But yeah, I highly recommend making lookbooks that I cannot emphasize enough just how much lookbooks have been able to help me communicate my vision to other people and to bring them on board for that project because they saw that, okay, this is what you're going for. I like it. I'm on board versus just talking about it or pitching them or, you know, just a written treatment. I really feel like as a director, you're dealing in the visual realm. So you should really showcase that. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, Cause I've haven't, we haven't gotten that recommendation
1: as of yet. Yeah. I for the short I directed when I made my
2: lookbook, it put my DP and I on the same page like oh, sure. immediately mm-hmm. like immediately I, you, I could have talked circles around it for days yeah. but it immediately like put us on the same page and like like he's like got it like you and then he he did exactly what I was seeing in my mind which yep. is incredible I mean when you can get a cinematographer to do that it's pretty it's pretty amazing and very exciting so yeah, yeah that's cool yeah it's very cool so if somebody gave you a million dollars tomorrow what movie would you make do you have an idea oh. or something a million dollars is not enough not, not for sci-fi probably for sci-fi <laughs> i was let's i was say, trying to be modest
0: for a million. First time, <laughs> first time you know um, Feature. i thing. have this feature that i'm co-writing with my writing partner that we just absolutely love it's um it's Near future sci-fi, so it's that's also a realm that I like to deal with sort of a possibility, like a mm-hmm. realistic possibility that we could deal with. Um of course I like, you know, the fantastic scenarios and I would love to just do everything in space, but I'm not there yet. Um mm-hmm. but with this one it's about uh environmental refugee from Bangladesh, about 75 years into the future where we're gonna have massive environmental migration of people. This is for real too. This is yeah, not like this. something I'm just speculating. Um, Uh, (laughs) Yeah, if some giant
1: changes, and even if they are made, it may be too late.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's already happening with the Syrian refugees. Right, that's Um, kind of what started Mm -hmm. a lot of it to begin with yeah so climate change is really going to change the world the face of the world and so this girl sylvia is affected by it and she is an environmental refugee who has to leave her home and find haven somewhere and no one's willing to accept them because they're just millions and millions of them and countries are closing their borders and so she finds um, a spot at grunwald city where they are creating a VR program to deal with this refugee crisis. And that's all I can say because I don't want to give too much yeah. away. But that would <laughs> yeah. be the movie that I would want to make.
1: That sounds so relevant yeah. right now. Like, it does. It's so incredible. I love, I love so much of the way that you deal with sci-fi as you make it so human. That's what makes it interesting. For sure. And I think that's a particular element that certain bigger budget sci-fi films have... Left me wanting. Mm-hmm. You can't connect with it, and if I, you can't, I think connect that's with- why I haven't connected to sci-fi. Is
2: because a lot of times it's about the special effects mm-hmm. and the like,
1: making things look.
2: I don't know a certain way, where maybe it's too far from reality for me or yeah. something. But again, like at the end of the day, audiences care about people and characters and their relationships, and yep. so I think that's amazing that you're doing that in this. Oh, just doing my job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but I
1: love that. I think that that's something too. That and this is not me saying that men aren't capable of having connecting to that human part of things. I'm not saying that they're not because that's just stupid. Um, but I think that that's another thing that's very positive about having a woman in the sci-fi field is it does help to connect the to that, and that the
2: nurturing of you know right. And
1: I mean, and not that all women have that, but yeah. but it, I think it's something that it's something that's been missing. It's well, thank you. That it well it's just
0: what I'm drawn to. But yeah, in terms of women in sci-fi, it, it has been a meager history. Um, but I do want to bring up Octavia Butler because she inspires me so much. And she is a black uh, female writer working in the 70s when it's completely dominated by white men and their, you know, very hypersexualized visions of women. And she wrote sci-fi stories about sexuality and gender, what it means to be a woman, um, and just kind of all those topics that I'm interested in during those times. So I'm very much inspired by the stories that she told, and I felt like, oh wow, like reading them for the first time, I was like, this, these are the stories that I want to tell. I just didn't realize it until now. That's amazing. What a pioneer! Yeah, she's incredible.
1: Oh my gosh! And
0: she's really coming into vogue, which is really great. A little too late, but still great. <laughs> <laughs> Better late than never, right? Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, tell people where they can find you. Um, just on my website, SydneyHugh.com. Perfect. We got a Twitter weird or spelling. I do have a Twitter got an instagram i've got everything that you're supposed to have
1: (laughs) (laughs) well well as always there will be links posted below so that everyone's able to connect and reach um reach reach you and
2: remind people of the
1: jersey city um oh yeah we didn't even talk about that ah how did i forget she's um you also have helped to start some filmmaker groups oh (laughs) yeah oh i was talking about the event. Oh, yeah. But, but but Trev, I was, I, but that's it, great, too. Trev, so we're that's not done yet. Too. Just give us a few more minutes. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but you've helped to start
0: a couple different filmmaker groups. Yes, I have. Um, NYC stuff. Women Filmmakers is a meetup that I started uh, last fall, and it's still going strong, and it's been fantastic. I mean, it really just came out of I wanted to meet more women. I felt like if it if I relied on it happening while I was working, it was just going to be really slow going and not going to happen. And so I was like, well, my office, I was working at a commercial production company at the time as a director and editor my office has a great spot for bringing people in to hang out why don't i just throw a little sort of get together and um was pleasantly surprised by the amount of people that showed up the first time and everyone's response was like oh my god like i really need this in my life like this is something that i really want as well i want to meet other women i was like okay well let's do it again next month and then it just started to happen and so now we i think have something like 500 members on facebook but not all of them attend our meetups and our meetups are more individualized. Leslie, you've been Mm -hmm. to uh, several. What do you think of them? (laughs) Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. There's always like a topic that you're
1: discussing. and something (laughs) that you're you're challenging us to talk about, but it's just such, I mean, I'm a part of um, a couple different women filmmaker groups and it's just so great to get together with a group of creative women and discuss and talk about the stuff we want to talk about instead of feeling like we have to To push our way through in order to get a word in, edge wise sometimes. So I find that I find I find them great. It's just um, refreshing. Well, it's
2: (laughs) inspiring too because when you when someone's like I'm doing this right now and it's like oh I can do that Like, you know right. I like it and then you find people to collaborate with and work with too which is pretty awesome She's yeah. amazing, and yeah. we had,
0: just have a lot of great women who are very giving who come to the meetups like some of them want to hold or like teach cameras to other people who mm-hmm. are just starting out and I think I'm going to do a website workshop next time and so and we also allow everyone from all different fields so there are certain meetups who are targeted at directors or producers or cinematographers and we try. We just want everyone to get together and work together. And I think a few projects have happened because of it, which I'm very proud of. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I but love that. It
1: is. It's such a good environment. To both
0: of the both of the filmmaker women
1: filmmaker groups that I'm a part of are so the the people are so giving. They, yeah. you know, someone has so like, oh, I have this project that's going on. Who can help me or who knows someone? And people step up and and connect and volunteer their time. Or it's it's just. It's nice because that's how things get done in this industry. If yeah. you don't have the people, well, I love what you said. It's people and money. So,
2: <laughs> making, making connections with people, you know, you can help them and then, you know, when you need help, there's people there
1: willing and able. Exactly. So. And that's just such a nice way to do things, mm-hmm. coming from a place of service. It it makes and collaboration because yes. you can't make a movie by yourself. <laughs> It would be really hard. <laughs> it would be really hard. It would be really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming and guys. talking Cindy. with us. We loved hearing about, we haven't talked about sci-fi yes. really since. Oh, really? No, know. About, that's a topic. we have inspire
2: we haven't. me watching some sci-fi movies. Oh, yeah, good. You I have a tons of recommendations. I was about to say, right. we should have some
1: recommendations. I feel like that's something we should include in oh, our posts with your, yeah. with your stuff is let's include some great sci-fi recommendations. I'd be recommendations. happy to. Because, yeah, I feel like you don't know if you like sci-fi unless you've seen the right stuff yeah and there's so much out there there's really something for everybody definitely awesome well thank you so much thank you guys for listening thank you sydney thanks guys all right Bye. bye